When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. spectacular people welcome to this 466th episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i'm your host diane and this is kelly kelly on this episode we are covering a bunch of legendary roads out there haunted spooky creepy legend lore you name it mysterious we're covering it. We're covering the whole deal. This, of course, is not going to be a definitive list of all the haunted roads out there in the world. Oh, good gosh, no. <laughs> We'd be here for weeks. Yes. But we've got some of the top ones here. And you and I just got done taking a little mini road trip a little bit north of us. We drove about an hour and a half to go to Ocala, and we got to do something really cool. Who do we get to meet? We got to meet Nick Castle, a.k.a. the original Michael Myers from Halloween. And he was also in 2018, 2021, and 2022 Halloween Ends. Yes. He, he was so sincere and so kind and just an amazing human being. He was very sweet. And uh, we were starstruck. It was very cool. We got something signed for our son, Jared, and got our picture with him. If you want to see it, we've got it up on Instagram. But it was very cool. And we got to hang with Bailey. We did, our listener Bailey, and it was our first horror convention together. It what sure took was. Us so long? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we had a great time. Life is very busy. Well, before we get into talking about these legendary roads, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Quentin, Kyle, Casey, Bev, Gary, Brandy with an I, Tammy with a Y, Christina with a K, Jay, Kylie, Laura, and Liz. Thank you so much for joining us in our Facebook group. And now this moment, Noddy. Some of you may recall us talking about Robert Wadlow, also known as the Alton Giant or the Giant of Illinois. He still holds the record for tallest man at 8 feet 11 inches to this day. However, there is a current day giant by the name of Sultan Kosen, who is a farmer and hails from Turkey. 
Sultan recently celebrated his 40th birthday at Ripley's Believe It or Not in Orlando, just down the road from us. He stands 8 feet 3 inches tall. In 2010, Sultan underwent a procedure at the University of Virginia Medical School for a tumor on his pituitary gland. Sultan was also put on medication to control his excessive growth hormones. This protocol effectively halted Sultan's continual growth. If he had not had access to modern medicine, there is no telling just how tall this man may have grown to be. To date, there's only been 10 reliable cases in history documenting a person reaching 8 feet tall or more. Sultan stated, After that day, describing the day he was announced as the world's tallest living man, I was born. Before that, I was a very silent person. Now, I can talk, I'm happy, I'm funny, I enjoy my life. To date, Kosin has visited 127 countries, and it's heartwarming to hear how his newly found fame has enriched his life. But one must concede that being able to palm and dunk a basketball into a regulation height basket without even standing on one's tippy toes certainly is odd. Hey, Mike. I mean, Nick. Would you sign my shovel? And now, this month in history. In December, on the 15th in 1939, Gone with the Wind premiered in Atlanta at Lowe's Grand Theater. This star-studded event was a notable occasion in Atlanta, Georgia's history. The gala hosted Vivian Lee and Clark Gable, amongst many rich and famous. It is estimated that around 300,000 Atlantans and visitors lined up for seven miles to view the limos transporting the stars to the theater. It has been said that after the Hollywood Press Review, producer Selznick was quoted saying of the movie, At noon, I think it's divine. At midnight, I think it's lousy. Sometimes I think it's the greatest picture ever made. But if it's only a great picture, I'll still be satisfied. One thing is for certain. Despite that May-December romance between Scarlett, at a mere 16 years of age, to Rhett's 30-something, the movie is iconic. We are positive that there are very few people of a certain age that don't know that oh-so-famous line, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. We all know that certain road the one that everyone claims no one should drive along at night. There are rumors of haunted houses, witches, zombies, cannibals, and cryptids along these roads. And it seems that every state has one or more of them. Most of these lanes are cloaked in darkness and twist and turn dangerously. Many aren't paved. Roads just seem to attract spirits. Is it because of the accidents or the locations dotting the roadside? It's most likely a combination of the two. On this episode, we're going to feature some legendary roads.
The first road we're going to talk about here is Clinton Road. This is located in West Milford, New Jersey, and runs for 10 miles. The road was named for a settlement that had once been here. This road once had an entire issue of Weird New Jersey dedicated to it, if that tells us anything. The area along the road is mainly undeveloped, with few houses and mostly publicly owned woods. Parts of it had been unpaved for years, and it receives little maintenance. This makes it the perfect spot for legends, and it has many of them. There's a reservoir that is fed by a brook, and a bridge goes over this brook. It is said that if you throw a coin into the reservoir from this bridge, or if you put a quarter in the middle of the road where the yellow line is at this bridge, the coin will come back to you. And it's brought back by the spirit of a boy who is said to have drowned in the reservoir. But be careful not to look over the bridge because the ghost boy might push you in thinking he's saving you from being run over by a car. Well, that's great. Here, I don't want you to get hit by a car. Why don't you drown? (laughs) Well, it's either this or that. (laughs) Many of these roads claim to have satanic activity occurring along them and Clinton Road is no different. One of the places they like to gather is at Cross Castle. This was built in 1905 by Richard J. Cross, but no longer stands as it was burned down in 1919. Didn't stand for very long, did it? Certainly not. There had been a few stone walls still intact, but they were torn down in 1988, so only the foundation remains. People claim to see strange lights along the road that have even followed cars. This is sometimes blamed on phantom vehicles like a truck or a Camaro that follow the cars. That's pretty specific, a Camaro. There have also been reports of UFO activity. Something that isn't a legend is that on May 14, 1983, the body of Daniel Deppner was found by a cyclist using the road. Daniel had been wrapped inside a green garbage bag. His murderer was Richard Kuklinski, who was eventually charged and convicted of his murder. So we wonder, is Daniel's spirit hanging around here? Kelly, you and I are very familiar with this next one. Ah, the dead zone. It's part of a major interstate in central Florida. Interstate 4 snakes from west to east across Florida and is used by millions of tourists every year. A small section of the road is a bridge over the large St. John's River. It is this bridge and a portion of the area at the end of the bridge that has been dubbed the Dead Zone. The Dead Zone is said to be haunted by four souls who received an improper burial and were unceremoniously built over when the interstate was installed. Could it be their vengeance that has caused this stretch of road not only to be haunted, but to be a dangerous place to drive? Sanford, Florida was established in 1877. The original people to settle here were the Mayaka tribe. European settlement nearly decimated the tribe and they left. These earlier settlers brought with them indentured servants from Sweden, and it would be these immigrants who would do most of the hard labor to grow the vast orange groves that Florida would become famous for in the future. The colony that was built near the future I-4 was fairly small. The settlers called it St. Joseph's Colony, and it was a religious settlement led by Father Felix Prosper Swemberg. Ten years after it was established, a large fire destroyed most of the settlement. Life got even worse for those who decided to stay and rebuild. An historic freeze wiped out the orange industry that year, and yellow fever swept through the few families still at the colony. The site was abandoned, leaving behind a farmhouse and the graves of those hit by the yellow fever epidemic. Father Swemberg had been sent to Tampa before the disease killed the last of the colonists. He himself contracted the dreaded disease and died while in Tampa. This left no one to give last rites and a proper burial to the last few colonists who died of the fever. This included four people who were considered to have no absolution when buried. Several years later, a farmer named Al Hawkins bought a large portion of the former colony's land, and he began clearing it for farming. As he did that, 
he came upon the headstones of the small family graveyard. There were four small wooden grave markers that were nearly rotted away. He felt that the right thing to do would be to build a little fence around the graves and leave that plot of land alone. He called it the Field of the Dead, and it was left alone until Al died in 1939. His widow still owned the land when the state decided that it needed to build an interstate to service all the tourists coming to town. In the 1950s, she sold the land and surveyors came out to start marking off the area for the interstate. They found the graves sitting right in the middle of where they had planned to put the superhighway. Obviously, when money is to be made, four old graves don't amount to much, and it was decided to remove the headstones and build over the graves. And, as you can probably guess, they didn't bother moving the bodies. One of the engineers even remarked, It's not an ancient Indian burial ground. They're just a few old bones. We all know that disrespecting bones is usually not a good thing. Construction began and the graves were plowed over, leading to the legend about a curse that seems to be connected to I-4 and has led to it being nicknamed the Dead Zone. Hurricane Donna would be one of the most deadly hurricanes to hit Florida and it crossed right over the middle of the state on the day construction began. Many people were killed and millions of dollars in damage to property occurred. The interstate construction zone was completely flooded and it would be months before the building could continue. The interstate was finally finished and has become a popular way for people to travel across the state. The section that runs over the St. Johns River, though, is considered to be one of the most haunted sections of highway in America. At the end of the bridge is reputedly where the four graves were buried over. There are rumors and legends of people seeing ghostly apparitions wearing pioneer-era clothing standing on the edge of the highway. One trucker reported, He was wearing odd clothes, kind of tattered and certainly out of style. He wore a round hat with a wide brim, like the actor in Little House on the Prairie. But the thing I remember most was his color. He looked as if a bluish light was being shined on him. And when I passed him, I looked back, and would you believe it? He was gone. The trucker described the apparition's eyes as being empty sockets. Woo! Creepy, creepy. Many drivers report pulling over for sickly-looking hitchhikers who just disappear. Drivers also have claimed to have weird electrical disturbances. Ghostly voices have been heard coming over the radio, and these sometimes are even heard through CBs and cell phones. People claim to hear voices crackling over the static of the radios, and the voices call out, Who's there? Or, Why? At other times, the eerie echo of girls giggling comes across the radio. There is much disruption of cell signals and radio waves in the dead zone as well. Some might claim that these disruptions could be because of cell towers, but there are no cell phone antennas or even radio antennas in the area. This is a swampy, marshy area along a very large river and not a good place for such things to be located. Add to the weirdly ghostly experiences the rumors about the curse. There's an unusually high number of traffic accidents on this section of road. We've been across it many times without incident. Do we have Don't some wooden jinx us. <laughs> but we can attest to the fact that this is a straight and wide bridge, and so accidents should not be common. In other words, this is not a particularly dangerous patch of road when it comes to the engineering. Between 1995 and 1997, there were 44 crashes that injured 65 people on this stretch of I-4. Add those numbers together and you get 109, the exact age of the graves in the year 1996. <laughs> Coincidence? Wow. We don't believe in those around here. But most troubling is the fact that since 1963, 2,000 accidents have happened on this particular section of road. That's a lot. That sure is. Next, we have Annie's Road. 
Annie's Road is officially known as Riverview Drive and located in Totowa, New Jersey. This road runs 20 miles along the Totowa side of the Passaic River and can be a dangerous road with tight turns and a steep hillside on one side of the road and the Passaic on the other. The road is remote and heavily wooded. Obviously, it gets its name from a woman. Annie appears as a woman in white, and her story is that she and her boyfriend were driving home after a party in the 1960s when they got in a fight. It's always the 1960s when they get in these <laughs> fights, have you noticed? Annie's boyfriend kicked her out of the car on Riverview Drive, and she got lost. Then she was struck by a large pickup truck. Her dress was tangled up in the truck, and she was dragged for a while on her face and then died. Another version that is closer to the truth is that Annie was walking home from prom along the road and was hit by a vehicle. Every year after that, people started seeing what looked like red paint on the road. Annie is said to be a ghost that tries to distract drivers so that they crash their cars. And there have been severe auto accidents here. People also claim to see orbs, strange fog, and they claim to hear disembodied screams. Electrical things experience failure on the road, too. Next, we have Moody's Road. This is home to Moody's Light and runs between the towns of Rensselaer and Francisville in Indiana. Moody was a farmer who came home one day to find his wife and two daughters murdered. The police were not able to find the murderer. This left Moody depressed and he searched the property every night for the killer by carrying around a lantern. Eventually, Moody ended his life at the end of a rope from a tree near the farm. From that time, people have claimed to see a mysterious floating light on the property, especially on the road. Another older story claims that two brothers were going down the road in their horse and buggy when one brother fell off and was decapitated by a wheel. The brother used a lantern to search for the head, and it is still seen today, especially when the cornfields are cleared. Now, of course, we don't have proof for either of those stories. I don't know what actually happened here, but people see this Moody's light there, and that's the story that they've tagged onto it. This story was shared on the Angel Fire website. We visited Moody Road on April 11, 2003. It was 50 degrees outside with clear skies and quite breezy. That sounds cold to me. It sure does. <laughs> we really had no idea what this light was going to look like. We'd never seen a picture of it, and the stories that we'd heard is that it chases you and it moves from side to side. So we started off at the intersection of Meridian and Division facing south. We flashed our lights three times and drove the one and a half miles down to the end of Meridian. We turned around and found this tree stump. It was hard to find, especially at night. It's right past the tree that is still there on the same side. We parked at the tree stump and flashed our lights three times again. Then we looked north and we saw this orangish light. It looked like a street light. And we thought it could be, except it would go away and then come back every so often. The light would go from orange to red and from big to small. It never got any closer or any farther away from where it was at. Thinking ahead and being smart, like always, we brought a pair of binoculars to get a closer view of the light. When we looked through the binoculars, we could see three different lights. Then it would be four. Then sometimes it would be two or one, and then sometimes nothing. When we didn't use the binoculars, the three or four lights looked like one single light, just brighter. People have said that the light is just lights from the cars going down Highway 49, since Highway 49 is about two miles almost directly north of Meridian Road. And some have even said, of course, it's swamp gas. We drove down to the end of Meridian so we could get the best look at the light. It still seemed to be pretty far away. Since that was as far as the road went, we got the best picture we could of the light. We still have no idea what causes this light. We're pretty sure that it isn't a ghost, but other than that, we really have no idea. We might have to go back there and find out the real cause of the light. Username 
Noramni wrote on the Ghost Village website, I've been there a couple of times. That tree that Moody supposedly hung himself from is now a stump that has satanic symbols carved into it. Satanists used to hang animals from that tree, so they cut it down to a stump. The first time I went there was like a scary movie. We had trouble finding the place because all of the roads there looked the same. All gravel roads with cornfields on each side. We got to this old church that was converted into a home to ask for directions. This old woman answered the door and we asked how to find Moody's Road. They're lucky she answered the door. I wouldn't have answered the door. Oh my gosh. No, she's the scary one. (laughs) In an eerie voice, she said, Oh, you don't want to go there. That place is evil. Then either her sister or friend came and said, Yeah, that place is evil. You don't want to really go there, do you? So they gave us directions, but again warned us. There's this gravel road called Moody Road. You go about 100 feet or so away from the stump. It is suggested to flash your lights three times, but both times I've been there, we didn't need to. There's a soft incline about 150 yards ahead. First, there was a yellowish light that looked to be coming from an old-fashioned lantern. It would get closer slowly. Then we saw another light, a green one that was also coming closer very slowly. The lights came over that little hill in the road. We tried to chase down that light, but as the legend says, you can't catch it. At the end of the road is absolutely nothing. There's a drop-off into a field of nothing, and there's no source for that light that can be explained. Whether or not the legend is real, the lights definitely are. Very interesting. It's amazing how many of these roads have these spook lights on them. So many stories of this, and, you know, there's always that swamp gas or headlights from a nearby highway, but I don't know. I mean, if I'm seeing lights coming at me, eventually they're going to, like, go past you or get so close that you can see it's a car. I don't know. These these ghost lights, they're one of those things. They just really intrigue me because it's like, what is that? I wish you had seen that Will of the Wisp that I saw. Yeah, when we were at McPike Mansion. Right, the one that I caught in a photograph. But to see it with your naked eye was amazing. And Kelly, just a little bit of synchronicity. What? I just happened to grab a pen oh out gosh. of my pen holder. <laughs> and what, what does that say on it? McPike Mansion. That's where it was at. <laughs> And that was, what, four years ago now? Yeah, and I don't usually grab this pen to use it. That's funny. Anywho, now on to Sand Hill Road. There's a stretch of Sand Hill Road between Olive Avenue and Charleston Boulevard in Las Vegas that is said to be the most haunted road in Nevada. There are underground tunnels here under Highway 85 and claims that a dead couple haunt the tunnels, whispering and moaning throughout. They were said to have died in an auto accident at the tunnels. The apparition of an old woman chases cars down an adjacent dirt road. People who visit the location feel nauseous. And why don't you tell us about Ortega Ridge Road, too? Ortega Ridge Road is located on the central coast of California between the Santa Ynez Mountains and the Pacific Ocean and is home to Las Tres Hermanas. These three women, specifically nuns, go back to California's gold rush. Legend claims that they were killed by highway bandits on the road. Drivers who have seen the nuns describe them as wearing nun clothing with their hands folded in prayer and their eyes have a bluish glow, which counters their pale white faces. They walk along the street. Now, I'm sure this is just a legend, but if it's true, who in the world kills nuns? You must be stupid. Right. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. (laughs) 
Next, we have Zombie Road. This is located in the city of Wildwood near St. Louis, Missouri, and is known technically as Lawler Ford Road. This is actually a series of trails now and impassable by cars. Many years ago, it had been paved, but eventually just became dirt and gravel. This road was laid to give access to the Merrimack River and railroad tracks that ran along the river. The Glencoe Marble Company worked the limestone deposits in the area, meaning this place is surrounded in limestone. So that already tells you what would give it kind of a creepy feel. The nickname for the road came from a killer named The Zombie, who was said to live in an old shack by the river. Legend claims he would attack young lovers who made their way down the road as it became the local lover's lane. Another claims a man was killed by a train in the 1970s. People claim to see his apparition covered in blood. There's no record of this, but a woman named Della Hamilton stepped out in front of a train and was killed in 1876. Reports of a forlorn female spirit may be her. People are said to disappear in the woods. The wet spirit of a little boy is sometimes seen near the road, and stories claim that he died when he fell from a bluff and drowned in the river. Native American spirits are seen, and of course, we have our escaped mental patients here too, and we're sure one of them has a hook for a hand. Well, because why wouldn't they? <laughs> I <mean>, there. <laughs> pretty much all these roads have some kind of psycho serial killer or, you know, mental patient that's broken out that has a hook for a hand in them. The stories for Zombie Road go on and on, but some people really have had unexplained experiences here. Alex Matuzek was walking along Merrimack Greenway in 2013 with her aunt when they experienced something she couldn't explain. It was night and the two women heard a sound they would never forget that resembled a high-pitched squeal that a teenage girl would make, and then Alex felt a sharp pain on her leg. The two women ran out of the woods, and when Alex got home, she discovered scratches on her leg. The strange thing was that she was wearing layers of clothing, and none of the clothing was torn. She said, I don't know any physical possible way I would have gotten scratched without there being some kind of marking on my half-chap leathers or markings on my pants or socks. No tears, no nothing. Yeah, she was wearing those half-chap leathers because she'd been horseback riding before they decided to go for this walk. You know, there's so many stories here. It's like, what's true, what's not? But this one seems like not only something clearly happened to her, I don't know, maybe she ran into some branches or something and didn't remember that. But the one thing that they know is a true story is that woman stepping in front of the train. And I think she was rather young. So who's to say that they're not hearing her scream from back then echoing through as some kind of residual thing? Or maybe she just screams as an apparition now and maybe she reached out and grabbed a hold of Alex and scratched her with her nails or what have you. Very interesting. And now on to Haynesville Woods. This is officially known as Route 2A and is located in Aristook County in Massachusetts. This is a curvy road that can be treacherous to drive down. For years, semi-trucks loaded with potatoes would make their way down the road, but loads of accidents, especially in winter, have made other roads look much more appealing. This one has been dubbed a death trap. A song has even been written about it by country singer Dick Curlis called A Tombstone Every Mile. Oh my goodness. Guess what a title. Yeah. <laughs> How many people have died here? There are a couple of ghosts seen here. One is a little girl spirit who is said to belong to a 10-year-old who lost her life when she was walking along the road in the 1960s. Of course. And was hit by a semi-truck. There's also the apparition of a screaming woman who people claim is yelling at cars that her husband is trapped in a car. The story goes that she and her husband were in a car accident that killed them both. And now we have Stagecoach Road in Marshall, Texas, which is an old red dirt road that is pretty creepy because it's overgrown with branches that block the light. 
As the name indicates, this was a road for a stagecoach line that ran from Shreveport to East Texas. People who drive the road at night claim that the apparition of a woman in a long white dress is seen walking across the road. There is also a ghostly stagecoach that makes its way down the road and disappears. And the church near the road that has a historical marker for the road is nicknamed Devil's Church. And there are cryptids like Bigfoot, Goatman, and even the Chupacabra. In 2018, a woman named Stephanie Watson wrote on Facebook, So last night, we took a Jeep run down Stagecoach Road, Marshall, Texas, to Karnak, Texas. And in no way did I have any idea until this morning what many have said about this road. I only recorded a small bit just for memory purposes. And this footage does not justify by any means how dusty it was. This morning, we went out to clean the Jeep and we were blown away by the child's handprint on the driver's side. At no point was a child anywhere near our vehicle during the ride to have touched it. Especially not during the dusty parts of the drive. We washed and dried our Jeep before the ride. I am now doing my research and I'm finding that not only has this happened to others, but many claim to have witnessed more than just handprints. And how many times have we heard on these roads or near these bridges, child's handprints appearing on people's cars? This is true. Next, we have Prospector's Road in California. Just off of Highway 49, there's a road called Marshall Road, and Prospector Road comes off of that road and runs for about three miles from Coloma to Garden Valley. Prospector's Road got its start during the gold rush in the 1800s, and several miners lost their lives along it. One story claims that a drunk miner bragged about his claim in a saloon one night, and he was later ambushed by a couple of other miners who heard his boast. They murdered him to get his claim. This miner's ghost is said to haunt the road and has been seen by both drivers and hikers. Witnesses describe him as being tall with a scraggly beard and torn clothing suitable for a miner. He hovers above the ground and is semi-transparent, which is how people know this is a ghost. The spirit sometimes says, get off my claim, so to get off my lawn. The apparition has caused a couple of accidents on the road, and local homeowners even claim that he enters their homes on occasion. He likes to spook pets leave the front door wide open, and move objects around. Then the whole inspiration behind this particular episode was Emily Duke, one of our listeners, contacted me and said, hey, have you guys heard of Jack Cole Road? She goes, I don't know if it's got enough stuff or if it's haunted enough for you. And I looked it up and I went, ooh, this has got a lot of stuff going on. And hey, it's not enough for its own show, but if we did a whole bunch of legendary roads. So thank you, Emily. And here is the one you requested. Jack Cole Road is located in Hayden, Alabama. This is said to be incredibly haunted, and that's not surprising since there are at least 68 recorded deaths connected to the road. And there are many legends as well, with many people claiming that the road is cursed. The road is unpaved and surrounded by woods, but once had a hospital located near the half-mile stretch of the road. A cholera outbreak left 60 people at this hospital dead. At least, that's what's claimed by locals but there is no indication that a hospital was ever here. There was a log cabin here, and some hunters once found the mummified body of a female inside. Rumors started that she was a witch, and that is why the road was cursed. Ghost lights have been seen on the road, and people claim to see them dart among the trees. A cryptid described as looking like Bigfoot or a half-man, half-wolf has been seen. 
One of the other deaths was said to be a local fruit grower who was hit in the head with an axe and left at the end of the road in the 1960s. It's always the 1960s. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is about that decade, but they sure liked their ghosts. And I mean, I guess a lot of people would be hitchhiking. So maybe that's why we're getting so many ghosts because of hitchhikers. I don't know. Could be. Because his killer was never caught. Some other events are fairly current. In 2003, a famous civil rights photographer who lived along the road claimed that he saw strange things in his house. He was later found dead in his home. No details can be found like who the photographer was or what he died from. And in 2015, a 52-year-old woman named Lisa Weaver who lived along the road went missing. Her home burned to the ground and people thought she had burned up in the fire. But after firefighters went through it, Weaver was nowhere to be found. The remains of her three dogs were found in the debris, though. Even stranger was that Weaver was disabled and would have been unable to just run away. On top of that, her son had texted her right before the fire started, letting her know he was on his way home, and she had texted him back. There was no indication that she was leaving the house. The cause of the fire remains unknown, and Weaver is still missing. Don't bother trying to check out this cursed road as a sinkhole opened up on it, making it impassable. Oh, wow. With all this stuff going on, maybe that's a good thing. Kelly, why don't you tell us about U.S. Route 44? A stretch of U.S. Route 44 through Rehoboth, Massachusetts, is home to a hitchhiking ghost. This spirit is said to be six feet tall with red hair and a beard, and he is wearing a flannel jacket. Sometimes he appears just along the road, and other times he pops up inside of cars. His most terrifying appearance is when he just shows up in the middle of the road in front of a car, leaving the driver thinking that they have run over him. One driver said that he was doing about 40 miles an hour when all of a sudden the face of the redheaded man was... What? (laughs) When all of a sudden the face of the redheaded man was pressed against his windshield and then just vanished. Sometimes people just hear his disembodied laughter. Nobody knows his story. Drivers also claim to have technical difficulties in their cars when going through this patch of road, with radios just picking up static or cell phones losing power. Strange mutated animals are said to have been seen along the road as well. Mm, Somebody's been mixing some strange stuff in a laboratory somewhere. (laughs) Next, we have Ouiza Street. This is in Appleton, Wisconsin, and runs along Riverside Cemetery. The most seen ghostly activity reported here claims that the ghosts of past mourners dressed in old-fashioned clothing are seen on the road. I don't know why that would be. This would have to be something residual, because certainly you didn't have a whole group of people just die. Yeah, I would imagine. Legends claim that people see the spirit of Kate Blood here, and that she had been a witch. But there's nothing that backs up that claim. Now, Kelly, we actually have another road here. I've been on the dead zone with you many, many times. I've actually been on Archer Avenue, too. And this is probably one of the most famous haunted roads, which is located near Chicago, Illinois. So I've been on here in my search for Resurrection Mary. Ah. The road runs seven miles between a church and Resurrection Cemetery, which is reputedly the final resting spot for Resurrection Mary. So I got to see and photograph the Willowbrook Ballroom before it burned down in 2016, which had been set here. And when I looked up to see if, hopefully, even though all the history would be gone from it, that they'd rebuilt it. No, this site has been set aside for condominiums, and those have never been built. So there's only an empty parking lot here now. Oh, how disappointing. Yeah. 
But I did get to see the Willowbrook before it was gone. And that glorious dance hall started off as an open-air pavilion that opened in 1921 as the O. Henry Ballroom. And yes, it was named for the candy that bought the rights. It was destroyed by fire in 1930. The ballroom was rebuilt as an enclosed facility and became even more popular, hosting the likes of Ozzy and Harriet Nelson, Count Basie, Frank Sinatra, Doris Day, Guy Lombardo, Jimmy Dorsey, and the Glenn Miller Orchestra. This was the last place that Resurrection Mary was seen alive. She had gone to a dance at the ballroom with a young man, but the couple quarreled and Mary ended up walking home. She was killed in a hit and run. Now drivers on Archer Road claimed to see a young woman walking along the road in a dress from the 1930s. Some people offer her a ride, but she usually disappears shortly after getting into the car. But that's not the only haunting going on along this road. There are claims of phantom monks along the road. They are thought to be connected to the St. James at Sagbridge Church, which is located at 10600 Archer Avenue. The site was originally a French fort because it sat on a hill, with the church being founded in 1833. Drivers claim to see figures roaming the field near the church and chanting in Latin while carrying candles. Only thing about that, Kelly, the church never had any monks. So we're not sure where this story comes from. How are there a bunch of monks hanging out when there never were any monks here? But there is another haunting tale connected to the church. This story dates back to September 30th, 1897, and was reported in the Chicago Tribune. The tale features two musicians, Professor William Looney and John Kelly, whom had performed at a former dance hall along the road, and they decided to overnight at the hall. They were awakened in the middle of the night by the sounds of a horse and carriage on the dirt road outside. The professor looked out a window and saw the carriage come up the road to the entranceway, where it stopped and then turned around. He then saw a girl in a white robe appear out of nowhere, and she got into the coach with the driver. The coach pulled away and then disappeared. People believe this was the spirit of a girl who was a housekeeper at the rectory, and she had fallen in love with an assistant to the priest in the early 1880s. The couple decided to elope, and he came along with a wagon and horses to pick her up. She called out to him and spooked the horses who bolted as she was trying to board. The wagon overturned and killed the couple. They were buried together in the church's cemetery. And now apparently to this day, they're still running away to elope. Next, we have Boy Scout Lane and Bloody Bride Bridge. A bridge along Highway 66 in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, is known as Bloody Bride's Bridge. Local legend claims that a bride was killed in an accident here and that her apparition now haunts the road. Just off the highway is Boy Scout Lane, where allegedly a troop of Boy Scouts disappeared. The whole troop? That's what they say. Aliens. <laughs> okay, so you're saying aliens, and we saw that sign today that Jerry proudly sports his shirt all the time. Yes. So it's a picture of an alien spaceship, and the tagline below it says, Get in, loser. We're doing butt stuff. Yes, and Jerry just loves wearing that shirt. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any truth to the story, but that doesn't stop people from telling that story or any of the number of other versions. There's the one that claims the scoutmaster killed the whole troop, or the one that says the bus driver did the deed. And then there's the dropped lantern that caused a fire that killed the troop. But again, there's no proof. The land was once owned by the Boy Scouts of America, and they had plans to build a camp, which is why the road got the name but the camp was never built. People claim to hear the disembodied laughter of children in the woods and to get an overwhelming feeling of being watched. Disembodied footsteps are heard and the unnerving snapping of branches. 
You're going to love the name of this next road, Shades of Death Road. Hmm, it's intriguing. And it's not just a nickname, Kelly. It literally has that on the street sign. I saw the pictures of it. Really? Yes. Oh, my. Shades of Death Road is a two-lane rural road located in Warren County in New Jersey. New Jersey has a lot of these places. This road is seven miles long and is always dark because of all the low-hanging branches. And those branches may be why this road is haunted. They were used for lynchings. Because of all the deaths along the road, it went from being called Shade Road to Shades of Death. So I'm thinking it's very shady, which is why they called it Shade Road. And now it's Shades of Death. Can you imagine being the guy who they ordered the sign from? Here's the name of the street. Shades of Death? For real? (laughs) Dear. The area was also the scene of an epidemic of malaria in the 1850s that killed many people. The road is plagued by tons of tales. There's Ghost Lake along the road where people have had sightings of mysterious moving bodies near this lake. A small cave near the lake is called the Fairy Hole. Shards of Lenape pottery have been found in it, leading archaeologists to believe that the cave was used for overnight stays while traveling, and that possibly a burial or two may have happened here. The spirits of Native Americans have been seen near the lake. Cat Swamp is said to be home to a pack of vicious cats. Meow. I can believe it. Those things can be so mean. Jeez, Kelly, that was a pretty good, pretty good rendition of a crazy cat. Lenape Lane runs eastward off of Shades of Death, and apparitions are seen along this road, and it's always enveloped in a weird fog. An orb of white light appears at the end of the road and has been known to chase cars out of the lane and back to Shades of Death Road. And a strange story from Weird New Jersey claims that in the 1990s, hundreds of Polaroid photographs were found scattered in the woods near the road. The pictures featured the blurred image of a woman looking in distress. The local police began an investigation that never found anything, and the pictures mysteriously disappeared. If they ever existed, which we don't know. Kelly, why don't you do the next road? It's named for you, Kelly Road. It's the best road in the contingent United States. (laughs) Kelly Road stretches for two miles in Ohioville, Pennsylvania, and is also known as Mystery Mile. Legend claims that Native Americans cursed the road after the land was taken from them. Great, so now I have a cursed road named after me. Well, (laughs) it's what you get if you get a haunted road. You're going to get a curse with it. The road curves through dense forest patches and is said to have a bad aura. But you don't have a bad aura. And you have very good hair. We heard that from a couple people today. (laughs) Good grief. Thank you. (laughs) Strange sounds are heard. Mysterious figures are seen. And docile animals are said to become vicious when on the road. And it's not just animals. People suddenly lose their temper on the road. There are rumors of cult rituals in the woods near the road, too. And why don't you take Jeremy Swamp Road, too? This road is in Southbury, Connecticut, and is responsible for causing many cars to stall. When drivers get out to check under the hood, the weirdness really gets started. There are stories of people simply disappearing. Tow truck drivers arrive on scene and can't find the drivers. Legends claim that these people have been attacked and carried off by melonheads, which are cryptid humanoids that also make appearances in the lore of Ohio and Michigan. Yeah, they're not a candy. (laughs) No, but it always gives me pause because the visual that I always get in my head is kind of humorous. When it says melon heads, they have these like bulbous type heads. That's why they call them that. I know. They're supposed (laughs) to be these weird humanoids that have been experimented on or something. But yeah, who knew that they would be in so many different states? 
our final road, of course, has to be Route 666. U.S. Route 491 sounds like a pretty tame stretch of road until one hears its nickname, the Devil's Highway. The highway has this nickname because when it was first established, it was actually Route 666. The route got that number because it was the sixth branch of historic Route 66. And by the way, we didn't cover Route 66 on this episode because that entire road is haunted as all get out. So, I mean, we've done locations along it on many different episodes. We just threw that one out completely because it is clearly the most haunted road in America. Route 666 was established in 1926 and ran for nearly 200 miles. The name change came in 2003 when the states of Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico decided they wanted to get away from the stigma of having it as the number of the beast in the Bible. That didn't change the reputation of this highway to hell. People still claim to see ghosts along the route, like faceless hitchhikers. And some witnesses have even seen hellhounds, who will chase the cars. Hellhounds are supernatural dogs that represent death in some cultures. There are also claims of skinwalkers. And then there's other strange phenomenon like orbs, UFOs, and time loss. There are many good reasons for this road to be haunted. There have been numerous accidents along it. The ghost of a girl in a white nightgown is seen. A flaming semi has been seen that just disappears. Another female ghost runs out into traffic and disappears once hit. And the stories go on and on. Road trips are tons of fun. For some like us, including a haunted road on the route is even more fun. Could some of these legends we shared with you be true? Are any of these roads haunted? That is for you to decide. Who doesn't love a road trip? We love them. We sure do. We'd love to have you guys go check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. Anita sent us an email, Kelly, letting us know that she was sending us greetings from Ireland. Oh, wow. Excellent. And she wanted to share with us her Spotify wrapped. She's listened to over 8,300 minutes of History Ghost Bump this year. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, very great to know that we have somebody listening over in Ireland. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery... Aaron Turner, we're going to be burying you under a chest tomb. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We really could not produce this show without our executive producers. Sweet dreams. Thank you so much for joining us in our face group. Oh my God. Thank you, that. And our faith got thicker. People claim to hear voices cackling over the static of the radios. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they could be cackling. <laughs> I mean, 
cackling would be much more creepy than just crackling over the static. And that was a great little cackle, which I'm I'm not quite oh, sure. Oh, jeez. I wasn't even really trying there, it. Kelly. <laughs> I could do much better than that. But that's for another time. One of the other deaths was said to be a local food, food grower. You going to grow some food? What exactly is food? Or are you saying foot? I'm not eating no feet. Feet are nasty. I don't even want to touch I got touch some toe me. jam. Oh, God. Are we really going to go there? <laughs> toe jam on toast. Ooh. <laughs> it's been a long day. I'm very tired. Even stranger was that Weaver was just. She was just. She was just. She was I was going to say. She was a superstar. This is terrible. We shouldn't be teasing about somebody that's gone yeah. dead and missing. Well, or we missing don't. And dead. We don't know. She just disappeared. She okay. could be on an alien ship watching us as we speak. Oh, good grief. And he's wearing a flannel. Flannel? He's got flannel. a flannel on. And yes, it was main. What are you laughing about over there? <laughs> but what about the monkeys? Oh, because I was talking about monks. Here we come. <laughs> Walking, Walking down, down the street. street. <laughs> and I had the visual of them going down the road, like crossing their legs over, you know, stepping one in front of the other. <laughs> Well, if we thought a bunch of monks <laughs> chanting in Latin in this field next to the church sounded weird, I think the monkeys coming down the hill. And there's three of them that are now dead, so they could actually be ghosts now. I don't know. That sounds pretty darn weird. Next, we have Boy Scout Lane and Bloody Bride Bridge. There you go with that alliteration. Bloody Bride. It's, it's a whole bunch of boy. Boy, Bloody Bridge Bride Bridge. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's a bunch of bees. <laughs> Oh my god. The bloopers are gonna be longer than the episode. Well, you know what? This is gonna make up for the fact that I bet there was a lot of you listening last time to the very last episode, which was four sixty-five, and went, Where's the bloopers? We did so well we didn't have any. Or they might have said, Oh, thank God. That could be. That could be. 